we welcome on from the National Post. He is Brian Passfumes. Great to have you on, Brian. Hey, good morning. Happy to be here. And uh, we were looking for somebody that we thought would, um, you know, really compliment uh, your opinion, um, you know, step up, have an engaging conversation with. And and they were busy. So we got Warren Kinsella here. No, 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 that's just not true. Here's your uh, National Post colleague, uh, uh, Warren Kinsella from Post Media. It's great to have you on. Hey, man. Hey, Brent. Hey. Uh, Let's start here. I want to set this audio up. You guys already have seen it, have heard it. But for our listeners that hadn't, this is yesterday at Toronto's Eaton Center and really ugly scenes. We saw in a mall in Ottawa Saturday and we thought, oh, we'll talk about that. And we're going to play you that audio in a little bit as well. But what you'll hear here is a man in a group threatening a Toronto police officer. You'll hear him say, I'm going to put you six feet into the ground. you got to listen closely because it's chaotic. Drums, music, megaphones in the background. This was yesterday afternoon at Eaton Centre. Please have a listen. You come near me, I'll put you lay down on the floor. I'll lay you sleep. I'll put you six feet deep. I'll put you six feet deep. Okay, he didn't stutter. Warren Kinsella, he says, I'll put you six feet deep. He says it a second time. He says, I'll lay you to sleep. I think we're way, way past the idea of peaceful protests. We're way, way past the idea of people gathering outdoors, marching down a street with signs. What stops this? How do we turn this in the opposite direction? Well, what we just heard was a crime. It is a crime under the Criminal Code of Canada to simply utter threats, and in this case, a death threat. And it doesn't even matter if the person can't carry out the threat. Like, it doesn't matter if the threat is conditional. What we just heard was a crime. And so at that mall, at malls in Ottawa and elsewhere, Yorkdale and Toronto, (coughs) we had people descending on Santa Claus scaring kids, knocking over Christmas trees, and in this case, making a death threat to a police officer. Like, guys, 52 Division, where there's a lot of police officers, is two blocks away from Eaton Center. I don't think it's sufficient to say that they were outnumbered and they couldn't handle the situation. Two blocks away were a whole bunch more officers if they needed it. This guy made a death threat to a police officer and got away with it. He went home. And it is symptomatic of what's happening across the country. You know, with the exception of the 11 arrests, those who allegedly vandalized Indigo, Heather Reeson's Indigo, Mm. and a couple other things. You've got schools being shot up, Jewish schools being shot up in Montreal. You've got women being threatened on the subway system in Vancouver. You've got Jewish community centers being firebombed. You name it. And nobody's being arrested. Like, where are the police? Where are the authorities? This is getting completely out of control, and it feels like we are no longer a country of laws. Brian Passfume, I looked at this scenario. Um, I'm trying to see another side of it, but I also, three, four weeks ago, was starting to roll my eyes at the quote-unquote useful idiocy of the protest. You're coming out, saying the same things. You're chanting stuff. And it, the best thing probably I thought three weeks ago, Brian, was that we could ignore it. When you're interrupting kids on Santa's lap and screaming at them with bullhorns while you're wearing masks, when you're threatening the lives of police officers, no, it's not just useful idiocy. It's a lot worse than that, isn't it? 
Yeah, there, there's something really insidious about, about these protests. I just want to get it out of the way. There's a lot of perfectly reasonable people that are, are concerned about what's going on with, uh, you know, innocent civilians in Gaza, which is, is definitely a, a concern. But the, these protests are, I, I, I've been to some of these protests, there's, there's, there's this level of, 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 of danger and, and insidiousness that, that some of these people are bringing to these protests, that it's really concerning. And it's, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think is getting enough attention these days is that how, 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 how vile and, and, and hateful some of these people are. It's, it's, it's terrible. And, you know, and I, I saw the video too, and it just, it kind of took me by surprise that the cops seemed to gasp that the guy had threatened to kill him. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the police, uh, you know, I'm, but at the same time, like, I don't know what kind of, um, uh, marching orders that, that the police are getting when it comes to these protests. You know, are they, are they told not to engage like that and to, to avoid sparking something off? I remember a few years ago, uh, Stan Bahal, a retired uh, photographer for the Toronto Sun, got got assaulted at one of these uh, protests. I can't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't Palestine or anything, but this was a few years ago. And this was and the video where he's assaulted. It was he was assaulted right in front of a, like a phalanx of cops. And none of them lifted a finger to do a thing. So, really, I don't know if this is some sort of orders that the police have not to, you know, to avoid, you know, setting off a, a match and a powder keg and trying to avoid, you know, a bigger issue. But, yeah, this, it, it really is concerning, especially when you have protesters, you know, threatening to kill cops with and, and seemingly getting away with it. Brian, what's that feel you have top to bottom in the middle of your chest when you are at, at these protests? Do you feel there's just this tension that is you don't usually recognize in, in your daily life? Like, how would you describe that sort of emotion and that sort of, those instincts that come over you? Well, it's, it's, it, it, you can really, it gets really tasted on the crowd. You can really, you can really get a sense of, you know, I've been a tons of protests in my life. I've been to some pretty nasty protests in my life, but, you know, the, the, these, these anti-Israel pro-Palestine protests that have kind of gripped recently, it, it, it seems that the protesters feel like they, you know, that they, that they have permission to do this kind of stuff. You know, if they get away with threatening police, you know, what's next? Warren, I want to ask you about um, where we're, where we're going here, because I feel like we're going to, we're going to a rough place. This is embarrassing stuff. If, if someone said to me, Hey, what's happening in Canada? And they sent me that video. I'd be like, you're right. I, I'm embarrassed right now. Um, and, and I worry that the conversations we'll have, if we, if this keeps up and it gets worse, we're going to go the other way and we're going to get some real, real nasty thoughts and, and comments about diversity and inclusion and immigration. And I don't want that because those are those are those are tantamount to our Canadian society. Are you worried as well that if we don't get this under control, we're almost going to be both on two different complete sides of a fence? Well, I, I think it's happening already. Like, I think it's too late. You know, when they're protesting Santa Claus and malls, targeting coffee shops and clothes stores because they might be owned by Jews, you know, falsely accusing Trudeau of genocide and so on. And then, then we find out about a terror attack in Ottawa and the arrest of some youths there. Like, the, you know, when the public looks at stuff like that, I've been involved in politics long enough, they don't, they don't just kind of figure out reasons why it might be okay. They want something done about it, you know? And some people are listening to us this morning saying, like, you can make a death threat to a cop in Canada now and you can get away with it if you're wearing a mask. You can do that. So what's happening in Europe, we're certainly seeing Geert Wilders, has been elected and might, you know, take power in, in Netherlands. You've got, um, you know, a right-wing leader in Italy now saying Muslim culture 
Muslims don't fit into European culture. She said that yesterday. So the thing that you're describing is already taking place. So the pendulum is swinging back wildly the other way. And I think that this, what we've been observing in Canada and North America and Western Europe since October 7th is going to give rise to a significant growth in right-wing mm. and far-right-wing governments across Western democracy. It, like it's, it's almost inevitable at this point. Brian, I want to give you also something in that you're in Ottawa, you're in a city where the, the Freedom Convoy took place almost two calendar years ago, about 22 months ago. And I think for the, for the element of being consistent, I think a lot of us looked and said, okay, let's see how this goes. And then by the four-week mark, most of us had said, you know what, this needs to end, this needs to stop. But these didn't involve threatening police officers with, uh, you know, within an inch of their lives. These didn't involve the elements of, uh, of secular, uh, of non-secular religious violence and threats that we've seen over the last 10 weeks across our country. So I, I was no fan of the convoy by the end of it. It did need to end so people in Ottawa could get back to their lives again. But I think I'd make the point. Our government officials at the federal level seemed a lot more worried about that after four weeks than they do here about this after 10. You're exactly right. You know, it's really amusing to sort of look back at the people that were kind of clutching their pearls and wringing their hands at, uh, you know, that the, the Freedom Convoy was some sort of like a, like a you know, like an insurrection or some sort of nastiness against the government. Whereas we have like what really seems to be like a, like a sort of a real ongoing insurrection going on right now when it comes to these, these, mm. these violent protests that seem to get a, you know, a, a free hand. And, and you're exactly right with the, um, with the, with the, with the, with the arrest in Ottawa the, uh, yesterday. It was, it was really concerning. Like when they, when they made arrest, they had, they had to send out the, uh, you know, the CBRN teams, the, the chemical, biological, nuclear, um, uh, you know, uh, disposal teams, because, you know, we still have any details about the, you know, this potential attack was, but, you know, it, it sounds like it was definitely something, you know, there's, there's, there's something really ugly brewing under the surface. Here. I want to, I want to get to Israel itself and a few other things, but Warren, a text message into our show, listening to our conversation. If you inserted any group other than the Jews or Israel in these demonstrations, government police would be all over the protesters. And I don't see a logical way to negate that argument. And that argument was warned about by many people, Jewish and otherwise, October 8th, October 9th, October 10th, they said, just see and wait. And maybe I was a little skeptical. It's come true right before our eyes, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And like, you know, I used to be a cop reporter. So my gut tells me that an order has been made, um, you know, inspector level above to pull back and to not engage with these people. And like, you know, using the Ottawa occupation example, I actually, to be fair to the police, I see a difference. In the case of the Ottawa occupation, they were all confined within a six-block radius in downtown Ottawa. They were easy to spot. They were easy to find. They were right there. I mean, that was the offense. And um, so ultimately, when they decided to finally do something after four weeks, it was easy to move against them. In this case, you know, this stuff is happening from Halifax to Vancouver. and But it is happening every Sunday. And they are allowing big guys to go out there wearing masks. And as we saw this weekend, to like threaten people who are there to see Santa Claus. Like, I, again, the effect that this is going to have on public opinion, it is going to go to a dark place. And it, at this point, I think it's almost unstoppable. Like it, it's uh, I, I can't not say this. If, if, if there's any way imaginable, I could transform myself back to where 
one of my two boys is sitting on Santa's lap and this happens and there's drums and there's people screaming at me and them and, you know, going on and on. How can you enjoy Santa when kids in Palestine are this? I don't know what I would do. I hate conflict war and I hate conflict, Brian, but I don't know how I'd keep a level head about a moment like that. And the Ottawa mall was full of these parents and kids dealing with this on Saturday, Warren. Yeah, and the, the other thing I think we have to pay attention to, you know, look at the, the Zara thing, right? It's a clothing store, and I guess they had an ad campaign in South Africa. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't follow the South African media, but apparently these protesters do. But some of them apparently were there, too, because they thought that Zara was connected to Israel in some way. Well, Zara is headquartered in Spain, yeah. and it's owned by Spaniards. It's got nothing to do with Israel. And so, you know, and the Santa Claus thing and that and so on and, you know, uh, death threats to cops. I think the target list has expanded. It's no longer just Jews and people with some kind of Israel connection. They're going after other stuff, too. And there's something Mm -hmm. more ominous and serious underway. And we need to address it. We need to address it with police action. And it's not happening. Warren Kinsella, Brian Passifim on Think Tank on 640 Toronto. Um, Brian, let me get to you on the UN ceasefire call. It happened last week. Canada voted for it. There was a lot of uh, debate about that fact happening. Um, But Israel um, announced over the weekend they'd made a fatal mistake. They killed three male Hamas captives that were Israeli hostages. Based on this, and they were accountable for it rather immediately, but I think we can make the case had they had they killed three terrorists, there wouldn't be quite the investigation if this was a bad shooting. Is there more pressure, Brian, on Israel to make another deal here, another another sort of hostage for um, hostage for a convicted Palestinian scenario? This group is barbaric. They're not trustworthy, but it might be the only way Israel can free more than uh, more of the 120 approximate remaining hostages. What do you see happening? Yeah, I, I completely understand with uh, you know, Israel's stance. You know, anytime there's a ceasefire, you're pretty much all you're doing is giving Hamas a chance to regroup and, and sort of reconstitute themselves. But at the same time, yeah, there's always that issue of the hostages, and it's it's tragic that uh, you know that um, you know three of the hostages were killed. But uh, you know, it's you know it, it's very quick to blame the Israeli military for that. But honestly, you know, Hamas was the one who took them into. You know, Hamas was the one who took them out of their out of their lives and, and, and into the, the line of fire. You know, they're the ones who, who are, are still holding hostages. You know, it's, 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 it's a terrible situation, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things that the Israeli government have to worry about, you know, making that deal with the devil. Sometimes you, you need to do that in order to, to move forward. And, you know, I, I these are decisions not being made lately. And I, I can't imagine what, uh, what, what sort of, uh, you know, fought and, uh, you know, uh, strategy goes into that yeah those are those israeli soldiers warren are in huge trouble obviously they're going within israel they're going to be investigated uh by um jurisprudence from the idf itself what do you see right now with the responsibility for uh for israel all that we said i think we agree on a lot about the protests here in canada and whatnot but there is an onus there is an emphasis on israel trying to find a way to shut down hamas and and end their organization while limiting civilian casualties it's been this balancing act for like we said the better part of two and a half months now yeah well the brits the french obviously biden for a better week now and now canada and australia and new zealand you know, at the the General Assembly of the United Nations, are starting to express serious and on-the-record misgivings with what Israel is doing and how they're doing it, you know, using dumb bombs on areas where there's lots of civilians, for example. 
So, you know, Israel, the IDF at least, is starting to lose Western allies, and that is is really bad. But I can tell you, I've been to Israel, guys, and I'm familiar with, I know lots of Israelis. They're actually much more upset about those three hostages who were killed uh, in the past couple days. Those guys were holding up a sign that said, SOS, three hostages, with their hands up. And they were taken out by a guy who, I'm told, the Times of Israel says, um, had a scope on his rifle. He knew exactly who they were. So, like, from the perspective of the families in Israel of hostages, they consider it murder. And they also object to the flooding of the tunnels, because that's obviously where a lot of the hostages are. So, the, you know, for sure, there's people in Israel concerned about what Western allies are saying. They're much more concerned now about the way in which the IDF mm. is conducting the war because they're losing, they're killing hostages now. And that's supposedly yeah. one of the main things this is all about. Um, I want to get to this uh, one-year anniversary, guys, of uh, a grisly murder on a downtown Toronto street. A 59-year-old homeless man a year ago today. It was overnight Saturday going into Sunday it happened. Um, but the shocking part of the case wasn't that Somebody was murdered. Uh, The shocking part of the case is eight females, all under 16, facing charges for this crime. This crime has sadness, horror. um, But I'd make the case, Brian, we've got to find a way with our criminal court system to find a better way to do this. So it doesn't it doesn't take 17, 18 months. This may take even more than that to end up having resolution after a trial. But we don't even think there's going to be a trial date till later on in the spring, early summer. This is not a great system that it takes this long, especially for young people, some of whom may be guilty, some of whom may be innocent or could plea bargain and get on with the rest of their lives here. You know, and it's a huge problem in the in the court system. You know, it, it's you know, it got so bad that there's not, you know, there was a uh, the, uh, the, the Jordan case that was uh, decided by the uh, Supreme Court. I think. Uh, maybe almost 10 years ago, I think, or close to there. It, uh, you know, and it, uh, it forces uh, judges to throw out cases that, uh, you know, that take an unconstitutionally long time to come to a case between 18 and 30 months. So, yeah, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's a tragedy when it, when it happens on high-profile cases. But for every profile case like this that, that's been sort of locked down in, in the mires of, of, of court bureaucracy, there's dozens of other cases of, you know, sexual assault cases, assault cases, you know that that end up getting tossed out because it just it goes on too long and it's 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 a, it's a horrible thing for the for the victims especially in cases where people you know are you know are apprehensive about coming forward going through the whole process of 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 going through the court system and then just getting it tossed out just because there wasn't enough time to get to it i think this is uh you know it's it, it, it transcends cases that uh you know specific cases like this to something as something real seriously wrong with the justice system that i i don't think that uh, a lot of people even in the industry in the inside are really aware of warren you mentioned covering courts and crime there's got to be a better way I, I even looked up last night some notorious u.s cases timothy mcveigh for example um, who bombed that federal building in oklahoma city he was indicted in august of 1995 he was convicted in may of 1997 they had that tied up and done within 15 months we're at 12 months already for this case no sign of a trial. Yeah, and what's also wild about this one, I don't know if everybody remembers, these young women, these girls, um, they didn't all know each other. Mm-hmm. They actually met online, a lot of them, and came together that night and killed this man, I believe, over allegedly over a bottle of booze. And um, it was representative. This was the most shocking case but there was other stuff as the pandemic was kind of grinding to a close. 
there was stuff like this happening all over the place where there'd been this, I don't know, pent up anger, or certainly pent up crime. And it just spilled out onto the streets. And that's now happening in Toronto and lots of other metropolitan centers all the time now. And a factor in it we're seeing, particularly with young offenders, is social media. Right. And, you know, for example, the first subject we were talking about, you know, you've got 55 percent of young Americans from age 18 to 24 think that Hamas was right. And their their main source of information about the Middle East and the world is TikTok. So I think, Mm. you know, without getting into um, the weeds here, I really think we need to take a look at where these kids are getting information, how they're being socialized. Because I think that's a big part of it. We've got only a couple of minutes left, but I want you to hear this audio from Donald Trump over the weekend. I heard it. I cringed. I'm not ready for this. He's talking about immigration at a rally. Let's have a listen. Country, when they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, The crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be. Terrorism is going to be. And then we built a tremendous piece of the wall and then we country when they Okay, so we're all over the place with the edit there. My apologies for that. But, Warren, every day I wake up and I wish we had Gavin Newsom running against Ron DeSantis and not a Biden-Trump rematch. I, I got to hold on to my breakfast cereal tight in the morning when I hear audio like that. It's Third Reich-esque. I hate it. Well, yeah, no, you could actually do a comparative analysis between what you just played and any number of Hitler speeches because they said the same kind of stuff. And I, you know, I, I always try to resist making the Hitler reach, but in this case it applies. Um, and, and, you know, the threat to him though right now is not DeSantis. If he's got any threat at all, it's Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley has been on the move in New Hampshire, which is one of the earliest primary states. Yeah. And DeSantis, the bottom has fallen out of his campaign and his super PAC. So, you know, I I can't believe like I'm, I've worked, as you guys know, full disclosure for the Democrats. I can't believe I'm actually cheering for Nikki Haley like anything. Yeah. We've got to do anything we can to stop Donald Trump. And that clip you played is an example why. Brian, I got 25 seconds here. I'll be very quick. You know, uh, Warren said earlier about the pendulum swinging the other way. I think this is, uh, you know, you got an indication of that with the Trump presidency. And, you know, when you hear clips like this, you know, you listen to question period with the uh, Trudeau liberals, you know, accusing uh, Polyev and his MPs of MAGA style politics and being a second Trump. You know, it it just makes that seem ridiculous that, uh, you know, that uh, they don't even come anywhere close. You nailed it. We're not in the same universe. Guys, thanks so much. Merry Christmas. I appreciate you both being on this morning. Thanks, guys. Warren Kinsella, Brian Passifume, uh joining us on Think Tank.